Then we jump into chapter 14. Here's my title. I've been working hard on this title. It's a long one. You can't write it all down. Listen to this. The Adventures of the Antioch Apostles in Action. The Adventures of the Antioch Apostles in Action. Let me ask you a question. Would you describe your life right now as an adventure? Are you bored to death? Uh, And I'm telling you, a lot of people live their life miserable and just as bored as anything in the world. Let me tell you something. I was made for an adventure. You were made for an adventure. You were saved for an adventure. Get on the wave and ride that wave. God has an adventure for you. And if you're not in it and on it, we can help you with that. The big part of the adventure is seen right here in this text. And we see the same uh, elements here that we're experiencing right now as a church and the higher ground that we're going to go to. And I just want to unpack it for a few minutes in joy and the fullness of the Holy Ghost and uh, talk about this adventure. May we pray. Father, would you open our understanding to the joyful adventure that every one of these boys and girls are going to be able to enjoy because they know you. That every family in this church, every single in this church, every senior adult in this church, and everybody watching will be able to enjoy the adventure. Lord, it's so exciting to be a part of your work. It's so wonderful to know that our name is written down in heaven and we're already just as good as if we were there and there's a plan for us all along the way. So guide us, we pray. Use your servant in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1. Number 1, if you're writing notes, and some of you do, I want you to write down a hallelujah meeting. Look at how it all starts, verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium, this is in Galatia area, that they went both together, Paul and Barnabas, into the synagogue of the Jews. And I love these two little words. I underline them in my Bible. And so spake. That a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. They so spake. Don't you like it when the word of God's being given? I was watching the the, uh, live stream Wednesday night on what what a failure, what it means when you fail. And I had to be honest and say, I've experienced, I think Zig Ziglar said a good failure is good along the way. It'll help you, humble you. And it'll help you. And a failure isn't final. I heard that a number of times on Wednesday night. But when the Word of God's being preached with power, there's something about it. I call that the so spit. And when they, look at that, I love that terminology. In the synagogue, and they so spake that a great multitude believed. It was a hallelujah meeting. A hallelujah meeting's got some good preaching in it. Good preaching. Good sound doctrine. And not only does it have that, look a little further. A great multitude of the Jews and also the Greeks believed. A a hallelujah meeting will be some response. We see a response, not just of the Greeks, but also the Jews that are believing the gospel. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews, oh, here's something else that's going to be true of a hallelujah meeting. There's always going to be some that don't like it. Well, I don't like that. This is not the music that I like. I don't like that them young'uns run all around the church. And don't you? They're beating and banging on the five-gallon buckets. And uh, we don't appreciate that. Whatever. Well, you don't have to appreciate it. There's a lot of other places you can go. They won't beat on no buckets. You know why? They have no children to beat on them around. Now, I ain't mad at them, but I don't want to be them. We don't want to. So, so notice the, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. They just stirred things up, and they got real bitter against Paul and Barnabas and those that had become brethren. And you know what they did? Instead of bugging out, that happens sometimes. In fact, you have to discern when it's time to go, when it's time to stay, when there's conflict going on. 
But in this conflict, look at what they did in verse 3. Long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word and his grace. They just stayed. Even though everybody was stirred up against them, they just stayed right there. When a young preacher calls me and says, Pastor, I'm having problems in my church. I think I'm going to leave. I say, you better not go nowhere. Do you ask God whether you're supposed to go or not? You might supposed to stay there. They might supposed to go. I mean, the Lord might have other plans. I don't know what he's doing, but they just stayed right there. But then notice what happens next. It's really interesting. The Bible says the Lord granted, look in the middle of verse 3, signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In other words, miracles started happening in this hallelujah meeting. There's good preaching. There's response. There's miracles happening. You say, what kind of miracles are we seeing? You're not seeing them. We're seeing people say, we're going to baptize some right after the service. We're seeing lives change and families put back together. Things that you can't do and I can't do, but God surely can do. Amen or not? Miracles. Miracles. And in these days, the gospel was new and the Lord was validating the true gospel by allowing these signs and wonders. Number one, a hallelujah meeting. Number two, I wish you'd notice with me, beginning in verse 4, a hate-filled division. Hate-filled division. You know some people hate. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm saved, and, I, and he says, Beloved, let us love one another, and if you love God, you'll, you'll love, and if you don't have love, you don't know God. I don't like, there's some things I don't like. There's some people I don't really like being with. I'm just being honest with you. But I don't hate them. I don't hate the meanest person in the world. I hate their sin, but I can't hate anymore. The Lord took that out when he put Jesus in. I, all I know is, here's some hate. Look at verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided. Now remember back in verse 1, the Bible says a multitude of Jews and Greeks believed, so a bunch of people had become believers. But now they're divided down the middle. And a multitude of the city was divided, part held with the Jews. And they didn't like Jesus. And they didn't agree with the gospel. And then part held with the apostles. Can you imagine a division right down the middle of that city? Can you imagine, some of you can, division right down the middle of a church? Some of you can. Can you imagine a division right down the middle of a family? Some of you can. Can I tell you, God ain't in that. He never has been. He's a unifying, uh, we're to be in one accord. We talked about that in our Bible study this morning. Verse 5 says, And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers, they're going to come after it. They're going to kill it. They said, we're going to stone Paul and Barnabas, also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. Now, here's one occasion where uh, they're getting ready to be stoned and they make a decision to get out. Look at verse 6. And they were aware of it. I love it when the Lord lets you in on stuff. And let you lead, lead you to what you're supposed to do. They were aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia and under the region. You know what? When you're in the middle of the fire and when you're in a point of division and you feel threatened or whatever else, you need to discern because in this text, we're going to see two responses. Some left and some stayed. You say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to tell you through the years, this building would not contain, this building and that one over there would not contain all the ones that have come and then have gone. Now some of that's of God. Because we have sent folks out. Some we've sent out directly. To plant churches and to do good works. Some we've sent out indirectly. They did not appreciate something. But they ended up, ended up in a church serving God lots of times. Hey I say that's pretty good work too. I wasn't happy about it at the moment. 
But God's in what? Look, we have to trust Him. How many of you know this is His church? Don't belong to us. We don't run this church. He's here to make sure nobody else does. Y'all know that. We, but we don't run it. No, heavens no. This belongs to the Lord. And look at what happened. They were aware of it, and they fled to Lystra and Derby. Don't you remember the names of them two little cities? You're going to see them again in this text. Cities of Lyconia and under the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. I'll talk about that in a minute. Now, during this hate-filled division, they are up and out. But did you notice those two little names, Lystra and Derby? Have you ever seen them before? In reading through the book of Acts, I noticed something. They're little towns. Some people think only big towns see God move. Or only big churches see God do big things. Oh, heavens no. No, sir. God's not limited. Which, by the way, this looks big to some of us who live here in rural Sampson County. This ain't a big church. I hope y'all know that. Don't get proud. You know, I remember years ago when we really started to grow and we got in this building, sometimes we'd count from the upstairs, Pastor. And I'd see them up there. We had them clickers. Click, 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 click. They were counting. And they couldn't wait to tell how many there was here. And, and, you know, honestly, listen, we cut all that out. Because we don't want a bunch of flesh and people saying, oh, we got the most people in our county here. We got the most people in two or three counties. That doesn't matter any difference how many you gather. But watch this. In the middle of all this, God's showing us something here that I didn't ever saw before on those two little cities. In Lystra, when they ended up, and the only way they ended up there is because of the conflict. Some of us are always upset when we go through something. Sometimes we go through something because God's got something better for us. He's got a different place. You say, well, I've been disappointed. I didn't want to live in Dunn. I wanted to live in California. Well, God bless you. I mean, who wants to live there? Every time I travel anywhere, I'm always so glad to get back to eastern North Carolina. What a blessing. But watch this. They get to Lystra, a little town. When they're there, they meet a grandmom and a mama and a little boy by the name of Timothy. We can read about it later in chapter 16, all because they went down that little town. That little town produced a young man of God. And then Derby, uh, you ever heard of the guy by the name of Gaius? A guy named Gaius, verse chapter 20, chapter 20, he's introduced. Hey, God has a work to do for everybody. In every place, and he run them out of one area to send them somewhere else. And God was in every bit of that. A hate-filled division that still brought the glory of God and the preaching of the word. Number three, I want you to see the healing, my favorite part of the story, the healing of a crippled man. Look at verse 8. And there uh, sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. I'm telling you, layers of this um, the Spirit of God wanted us to make sure we understand the, the, the volatility of this. He was impotent in his feet, crippled from his mother's womb, who never walked. Any one of those statements would have told us what's going on, but he wanted to make sure we understand the severity of this moment. The same heard Paul speak. Now, of the two, Paul was the speaker primarily. Barnabas was there, but Paul was speaking. Who steadfastly beholding him. Paul's looking right at him, like I'm looking at you, Bronzy. And, and Barnabas, I mean, uh, this crippled man was looking right straight back at Paul. And Paul saw something in him. Look at what he saw. And perceiving that he had faith to be healed, Paul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And the man leaped up and walked. And when the people saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they lifted the, up their voices in the speech of Lyconia, saying, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Before I get into that, I'm going to tell you something. In a minute, we're going to see Paul get stoned. 
I believe he's dead in this text, and the Lord raises him. But we're going to see it in a moment. And here we see an issue here with a man. And some would ask, why is he going through this? Why would Paul have to go through this? Did his mom and daddy do something wrong? They asked Jesus that question. Did he sin? Some of you are in the middle of hardship right now. I met with one of our sweet families that's walking through a new diagnosis of cancer in the last couple of days. And one thing after the other, and everybody wonders, why am I going through this? God, why are you allowing this? Where are you? Well, in this text, there's a proof text here that you don't have to necessarily do something wrong for God to trust you and bring you through a moment of suffering. We're going to be addressing that in the coming days. But here, in the middle of this moment, this guy has faith. You say, well, does everybody that has faith get healed? I love my friends uh, that teach things that are different. I do. I don't agree. I don't think this Bible, this Bible is clear that faith in itself doesn't always bring about a miraculous momentary healing. Sometimes it takes greater faith to believe God when He doesn't bring the physical healing and prepares us to go home to heaven. That's faith too. I remember one day walking in the Dunn Hospital, Pastor, and Shannon, what was his last name? Shannon Brown was right, Willis, was the uh, was the administrator of the hospital. And he said, Tom, come in here. Please come in here. And I walked in and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, This keeps happening over and over. I said, What is it? He said, Up there on uh, the fourth floor at that time, terminal patients were. He said, There's a family. They're gathered around. And he said, Their loved one is about to die. And, and they're saying, Now, if we'll have enough faith, one of them says, Now, if one of us don't have enough faith, then daddy's going to die. But if we all have enough faith, then dad's going to live. And, and we've got to have enough faith. And, and if, don't let anybody. And he said, I'll tell you what's going to happen in the next couple of minutes. That old man's going to die. And one of them people, because they were telling them that, is going to think they killed their daddy. Because they didn't have enough faith. Now listen, that's foolishness. That's not faith. Listen, faith in God rests in the promises of God that what He said and what He does is right. Even if you don't understand it and you don't like it and I don't understand it and I don't like it, God's still God and He's on the throne. Amen or not? Now notice, notice quickly they move from, from that to then they start doing something really scary. It's borderline blasphemous. They're speaking in a different language than Paul and uh, and Barnabas. The Bible says, verse 11, And when the people saw what Paul had done, Paul didn't do it, the Lord did it, they lift up their voices, saying in the speech or the language of Lyconia, the gods, plural, little g, are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they call Barnabas Jupiter or Zeus. And they call Paul Mercurius or Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And now imagine all this. You're standing there, old Paul and Barnabas. They've just seen this guy healed. He's walking around. I mean, he's jumped up. He's been crippled all this time. He's what? They're rejoicing. Well, the people in the town look like they're kind of excited too. In a way, I guess Paul and Barnabas may have thought, I don't know, that they understand that the true one God in heaven did this. But instead, they are talking stuff they don't understand. And then the next thing you know, they're, uh, they're coming up. The Bible says the priest, look at this. Then the priest, verse 13, of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice to the people. They were going to sacrifice not to the one true God that did the miracle. They were going to sacrifice to Zeus. 
and, Her and Hermes. And when Paul and Barnabas saw what they were doing, notice what they did. Verse 14, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent or tore their clothes, ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, stop. Why do ye these things? Don't worship us. We also are men of like passions with you. We're sinners too. And we preach to you the one true God. I'm going to tell you that in a moment. They're about to worship something, but they weren't worshiping God. I hope, look here, I hope we're real careful. We don't worship people around here. Amen? We don't worship positions around here. We don't worship singers around here. You say, well, we have all those events. Yeah, we do, and there's a reason for it. I'm going to tell you that in a minute. But honest before God, listen, it, let's be careful to make sure our, our worship, our praise, our adoration is to God and God alone. And they're about to worship a false god here. Paul and Barnabas said, let me tell you something. Look at the middle of verse 15. He said, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities, idols, unto the, unto, notice the little word, the, unto the living God. Remember what they said? The gods, that's what the heathen said. The gods are come down. He said, no, they ain't two gods. One God. That God, the living God, he ain't dead either. He's alive. The living God who made heaven and earth. Now he appeals to nature. Because as, as people that had never understood, the, they, it wouldn't have done him any good to go back in the Old Testament and start teaching them the law. No, at this point, they needed different. They needed more. They needed something they could grasp, and they could grasp nature. He said, this one living God I'm telling you about that just ra uh, helped that man to walk, he said, he made heaven and earth and the sea and the things that are therein. Look down a little bit in verse 17. He said, He also did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. He said, that's the God he's about to introduce to that city. And he said, even with all that, they still barely kept them. Look at verse 18. And with these sayings, scarce restrained the people. They still wanted to give sacrifices unto Paul and Barnabas. I believe in honoring. I believe in being encouraging to people. But be careful. They wanted to offer sacrifices like you would offer to a God, to an individual. Oh, the healing of the crippled man. Number, number four, I'm hurrying now. I want you to see the hurting of God's messenger. Verse 19. And they came thither, there came thither certain Jews from Antioch. Now there are two Antiochs, one a little further away and then one that they came from down near Syria. And Iconium, who persuaded the people. <clears throat> now, they just wanted to give sacrifices to them. One minute. Are you watching this? A few minutes ago, they was wanting to give sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. Here you go. Here's some reeds for you. Let's kill this ox and eat him. And let's have us a big ox picking. You know, we're going to celebrate. Watch this. But now watch what they do. They come in and persuade the people. And they stoned Paul. Drew him out of the city. Thought he was dead. I want you to get the picture here. We read over this and we don't imagine how it is. I wonder how many visual thinkers there are in this room that sees yourself in this moment. I, have you ever anybody throw a rock at you? If you can remember, even as a kid, anybody throwing a rock at you, would you raise your hand hold it up just for a minute? Oh, my God. The country church. I love a country church. Was it somebody in your family? Raise your hand if it was somebody in your family. Look at this. Was it your mama? I mean, your daddy, they're mad, so mad. They flung one. At, no, there was a little boy in our church when I was growing up. <clears throat> they got mad at me over something. I don't know what ever it could have been, but he picked up a little white uh, landscaping stone, about that big, and threw it right at me. I remember he hit me, I think it was on this side, the upper leg, and it hurt. Welp, and a bruise, 
Lord, I forgive him all over again. Right now, it just came right back up on me. I, I'm going to release that. And I was ticked off at that guy. He's probably, old man, maybe dead by now. But I forgive him. I forgive him. They're not, we're not just talking about that. I want you to imagine what it would have been like to have been stoned in this day. Rock after rock. Blood from every part of your body. Lying in the pool of it. So poorly hurt that everybody would have thought he was dead. You say, how do you know they thought he was dead? Well, look at the text. The Bible says they, they supposing him to be dead, they drew him or drug him out of the city. They, I mean, he, he looked dead. I'm of the opinion that he was dead. You say, how do you know that? Well, you can look at it later. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I, whether in the body, I don't know. Whether out of the body, I don't know. He said, I ascended. And I saw things, revelation, visions of God. He describes heaven, a little scene of heaven. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, it don't matter what you believe. It don't matter what I believe. I'm just saying to you, I think that he could well have died at this moment. Because to drag, if I drag somebody outside of town with my hands, and I'm a crowd that watches, and the blood is, is following behind the trail, I'm going to pretty much know if he's dead or not. They drag him out there. And the Bible says, supposing he had been dead. Look at what happens in verse 20. I, I like to read the text over and over and over and over again. And this week I saw something I've never seen before. How be it, as the disciples stood around about him. Now, imagine the crowd's gone. The disciples are standing around him. All of them think he's dead. Probably was dead. They're standing around about him. The Bible says he rose up. Came into the city. Look at this. And the next day he departed. Look here. I don't know how you would have responded to that. I know a few of you. A little more scary than others. That might have freaked me completely out. Just to be honest with you. Even as one of his disciples. Are you watching The Chosen? I hope you are. Putting you in that scene. It's putting us in the scene of those, those texts. In that moment. In that great moment. We see. Did you see it? Him get up. He goes in. How the disciples responded, we don't know all the details of it. But the Bible says the next day they departed with Barnabas to Derby. I believe that's when he met Gaius. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, Derby, and it taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium. You know, suffering doesn't just happen to those. In fact, most believe, many believe, that suffering comes from God for a different purpose. That's a different day. Now let me hurry. Finally, I want you to see number five, the helping of the ministry. Now remember, they've been on this journey, this adventure. They've gone from one place to another, then back to where they had been originally. And then notice in verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Boy, Paul could speak about that. Hey, the Christian life's not always going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you <clears throat> that you're never going to go through persecution. Pastor, I hope we don't face moments like this, gentlemen. I don't know what we're going to face. However, here's what I do know. He said, in order to enter into the kingdom, it's going to cost some of us suffering. He's confirming. He's going back and saying, hey, you made a decision. Are you growing in the Lord? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you loving Him? Are you becoming what God intended for you to become? Look at this confirming uh, the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. 
That's what we want to do week after week. That's what I do, basically, even when I travel. And by the way, thanks for investing the work of this ministry in the lives of other places. I'm confirming and exhorting as we do here with you. And when they had ordained, they ordained leaders. In every church, they had prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord. They just brought them to God. So they're confirming and exhorting and ordaining and praying and fasting and commending them to the Lord. And then they go home. You say, well, what are they going to do at home with it? They're going to share with the church what they what they'd experienced. That's what we do when our people come back from Palooza. When they come back from a missions trip. Bob, we still want to hear about what God did there that you can share. I mean, look, it, this is important. And after they had passed through Pisidia, verse 24, uh, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to uh, Italia and thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended, back to their home church, to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they had come and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the doors of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. I'll show you one more thing. Did you notice the whole purpose of this trip, this adventure? Would you like to know the, the purpose of your adventure? No matter who you are, if you're a believer and you're a part of God's adventure for your life, there it is in verse 1, they so spake the gospel. You see it again in verse 3, they spoke boldly in the Lord the gospel. You look at verse 7, and there they preached the gospel. You come down to verse 15, uh, we also are men of like passions, and they preached unto you. Look again over to verse 21, and they preached the gospel to that city. And one more time in verse 25, and when they had preached the word in Perga, everywhere they went, it was about the gospel. You know why we had that deal last night? I came in here and found a playing card somewhere. Somebody said, you, good thing you only found one. If you'd have been here last night, there were thousands of them everywhere and little pieces. You know, why would we do something like that and bring students from all over our city? The same reason why they did this, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do we go on mission trips? Why, do we, why are we going to Montana in a few weeks? I'll tell you why. For the same purpose they did it here. The gospel. Pastor, you know what I thought when I heard about the earthquake in uh, Haiti? I'm sure glad we went there, aren't y'all? Aren't you glad we started that church and built that building? It's what we're doing in Africa. It's what we're going to do in other places. Look. The big picture is not just your life. It's not just your retirement. It's not you adding on a new room or buying a new car with two more headlights or taillights on it. It's about the gospel and the perpetuation of the best story there ever has been. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What's your adventure like? If you're not living the adventure, get off the pleasure train, personal, and get on the Jesus train and find out there's pleasure in that. There's joy in that. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the adventure that you put me on as a little boy. I jumped off at a time or two, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me and bringing me back like you did so many others in Scripture. And God, I pray you'd open the eyes of understanding and that people in this church would be a part of the adventure that we're being, the vision has been cast for our prayer trail, for our mission work, for the baptism for the gospel, for, the, for all that you're doing, kid life here and abroad. And Lord, as our loved ones get ready for baptism, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll open our eyes to the joy of the harvest and the blessing.
of being a part of your adventure. And Lord, I ask now if there's one in this room, and I'm certain there are, probably many, that have prayed a little prayer, but they've never really got born again. They don't love your word, Lord. They're not following you. They're not a part of your adventure. But you're drawing them right now. You're showing them your need of a, their need of a Savior. You're lifting up Jesus before them, oh Father. May they today cry out to you, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I deserve to go to hell, but thank you for going to the cross for me. And I humbly ask you to come, forgive me of my sins, save my soul. Lord, may they become your child today before leaving this room. In Jesus' name.